Gilda, would you pray for our time in the Word and fellowship?
Father, we thank you, God. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that those who are in Christ, Father, we have a story to tell. Father, we can testify of your goodness, of your loving kindness, Lord, that has led us to repentance. God, that you've opened our eyes, Father, that you were pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. You've humbled us. We might truly receive such great salvation to be engrafted into your kingdom, to be at peace with God through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the hope as a believer. How did you seen us through? And for any unbelievers among us today or may be listening to this at a later time, God, there's hope for them. Because you're pursuing them, God. You're not a respecter of persons, Lord. God, you are pleased to reveal yourself to to them, Lord. Through your Son, Jesus, God. That it's your will and it's your desire, Father, that none shall perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge, Lord. You're pursuing them, Father. Thank you, God, that you pursue us. In and of ourselves, we don't pursue you. But God, you pursue us. Oh, Father, thank you for such great love. And I pray for our time this morning, Father, in the Word, God, that you would, Father, give us a a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness, Father, for your name's sake, Lord. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, Father. Oh, how, God, we need to, Father, meditate and and remain, Father, in your word. (laughs) You've given us the living word, your living word. Jesus, you and yourself said that, that apart from you, we could do nothing and given us your word, that Father, that we may meditate upon it day and night, that we may devour it, and we may hide it in our hearts, God. So let us not treat you or your word or your story, Father, with contempt. Oh, Jesus, may we be excited that you are faithful to complete what you've begun in us. It's for you, all for you, Lord. So have your way among us, and in us and through us this day, I pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Application, sustained effort, hard work. From the root word, apply. Apply to give one's full attention to a task to work hard. You should be able to quote that now. I should be able to just call on someone's name and you should be able just to be able to rattle that off. (laughs) But I would hope, though, that you just won't rattle it off, but that it's actually doing something within you. (laughs) We're into June now, the sixth month of the year. 
December will be here before we know it. And what have we done with this word application, this sustained effort, this hard work, and, and we're discussing it and, 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 and relating it to the Word of God, to growing, to maturing as a Christian. Because as a Christian, that is what you're to be doing. You're to be maturing. You are to be growing. You're, you're not to be stagnant. You're not to just a, hold a form of religion and then denying His power to transform you. No, no, no. You are to be working hard. And again, works do not bring about salvation. Because again, salvation comes only through Christ. But because of salvation, works are produced. You're not working to remain right with God. Because you're only right with God through Christ. It's because you're right with God through Christ that you work. That you apply truth. Because you recognize that the old nature and the new nature, the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. Your eyes, if you're truly a Christian, have been opened. Satan is no longer blinding you. No, your eyes have been opened to see. You've been humbled. You've recognized your identity as an enemy to his throne. So you've humbled yourself then to fully receive what he has for you. Salvation, wholeness, no longer broken, no longer bound, no longer shackled and chained to who you once were. And I think we really need to awaken to that, you all. And you really won't come to that true understanding unless you are applying truth to your life. Because when you're not applying truth to your life, then you're just remaining stuck back here. You're like that dog that the Bible refers to that keeps returning to its vomit and lapping it up. You're like the pig who was clean, but then goes right back to the mud. That's not how a Christian is to be living. I know that's what we've made the norm of the Christian life look like. That's what we've done. And I've said over the past year, the church in and of itself, what, we've, what she's done, and it's mainly the religious institution, Instead of creating disciples, we've created apostates. People who just hold a form of religion that didn't actually deny God, but yet will sit in church. This is a level of warfare, you all, that you can't make up. 
And no matter how many times I stand up before you, no matter how many times you listen to other sermons, no matter how many times you open up your word, no matter how many times you sit, you show up, you come in, you go out, no matter how many times, unless it's something that is true to you, unless you've, first of all, been born again, and then you're applying now because you're a new creation. How now then shall I live? Because I don't know how to live right. I only know how I would live. But who I was was an enemy to his throne. Who you were was an enemy to his throne. So you don't take anything from back here with you. Because all of that is against him. And so now you're learning. Who am I? How am I to live? And it's a war. Daily. Daily. Sustained effort. Hard work. Application. God is showing up time and time. I love that beautiful song. This is the story I tell. The, the, the waters that he parted and the waves that I walked. That's beautiful. God has shown up in our lives. The saved and the unsaved. <laughs> he shows up. He reveals himself. Time and time and time and time and time again. But if we aren't humbled by that. And if it doesn't draw out obedience. For Christians, salvation for non-Christians, something's wrong. You're playing a game with a holy God. And I know, again, what the church, and, and I say that loosely, has done is created this environment where he's God, but he's not really God. You see, we all like our gods with little G's. And we want to slap Jesus' name on it. But don't start interfering with my life, God with a little G. I don't even let God with a big G interfere in my life. That's how we think. And yet we'll come into worship, yet we'll come in, we'll read our little prayers, we'll post our little posts, we'll tell our little testimonies, we'll do this and we'll do that. And you say, but Rob, you say this all the time, but, but yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the weirdness of it all. The more I reflect on being a pastor, the more I'm looking at the prophets back in the old days, the more I'm seeing what's happening in our, in our culture. Do you realize what's happened the past couple of days? How, how close, and I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but how close that we are at war with China? Have you heard what's happened the past couple of days? How they are provoking You can't make up the days in which we're living. And you say, oh, but you're fear-mongering. It's not to create fear. That's just reality. Like, the whole earth. The whole earth. It's just not here. It's the whole earth. We're living in crazy times. And you say, but what hope is there? Jesus this world is not our home. This is the good news that we have to go tell others. 
We have the good news to go share with other people. If I went around the room and asked, how many of you shared the gospel this week? And you say, oh, that's a heavy burden. Don't put that on me. That's for you. No. (laughs) It's for you. I don't want to offend. Hey, you got to be an equal opportunity offender. You're going to offend people. Because that's what the gospel does. If the gospel doesn't offend, it's not the gospel. Who in their right mind wants to hear a message that tells you you have to die to yourself? You can't keep going the way you're going. You can't keep living the way you're living and choosing what you're choosing and giving into your desires, whatever those desires are. It's a message that no one in and of themselves, their natural being, their state of sin, that natural place we're all born into because we're all born into sin. We're in rebellion towards Him. We need to hear we're an enemy of God. But here's the good news. God knows that condition and God came to rescue us. And he rescued us by giving us his son, Jesus. Not that you may continue to live however you want. But that you would begin to live for him. That second song I played, oh, it should cost you something. Don't be bringing your cheap life and throw it down and say, oh, I'll give you this much, God. God doesn't want that. God says, no, you lay down everything. That's the standard. That's the biblical standard. This is what the holy God requires. Not because he's a bad God. Because he understands the condition in which we're in. He hates sin. He understands how destructive it is. Nothing good comes from it but death and destruction. Look at the earth. I know people like to blame God. Well, if he's a loving God, why does all this stuff happen? Well, it happens because of sin. Because of mankind. Because of the created. We are in rebellion towards God. We've left his plan. And until we recognize that, God help us. And so the gospel offends everyone. People have a right, and I keep telling you all this, people have a right to live however they want. Do whatever they want. But you don't have a right to claim Christ when you truly aren't a follower of Christ. That's when I have a problem. That's when the church should have a problem. Because that's when God has a problem. God reigns on the just and the unjust. He'll use whoever to accomplish his purpose. (laughs) But be very careful claiming his name and then ultimately denying him by the way you live. 
And you say, but how do I know if I'm a Christian? Are you obeying? Are you growing? Are you maturing? What happens when God moves in your life and he reveals himself to you? Are you humbled even more? Like, oh, Jesus. What? When you do sin, what happens? Do you, do you feel that deep, sincere regret and remorse? Like, oh, I don't belong here. And the reason why you feel that is not because God is mad at you. It's because God's loving kindness is drawing you to repentance. We got it all wrong how we think about God. <laughs> but if you're sinning and it doesn't bother you, or if you do feel that, uh, but, uh, and you just keep going, oh, something is wrong. Because as much as He is a loving God, He is a holy God. And he's a God of wrath. And his wrath is coming to this earth. And he's going to deal with those who are still in rebellion towards him. I don't believe that. That's fine. Your unbelief is not stopping what God has planned. I, I didn't believe it for a long time. I laughed at Christians, mocked Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for sparing me. I get it. But we live in interesting days, you all. That's why I want to encourage to equip you all. I can't live it for you all. I can't even keep getting frustrated over it. Or discouraged by it. I said, Lord, it's like sometimes just talking to a wall. Sometimes I'm standing up here and I'm, I'm preaching and, you know, and God is just revealing things about what's going on with you. And I'm just praying through, even as I'm, even as I'm preaching. And then I take it to my own prayer time. And I'm like, God, do they not understand the warfare? Like, God, what's it going to take? God, this is this is discouraging. And then he reminds me. It's been that way from the beginning. Oh my God, help us to see truly, truly what's happening. Like Christians, if you're a Christian, this world is not your home. Oh, you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. You can, you can live and you can have a full life. <laughs> We're not to be secluded and hide and be these weird people. <laughs> no, we're to be like we said on Friday night. God, if you're missing Friday nights, and if you can't come on a Friday night, and you want to do this study six weeks, you can commit to six weeks or six days or whatever. To, to understand the Christian worldview and how you should be living as a Christian. God, you should, you should learn. You should understand. 
there's a way in which you are to be living. But come on. It's not easy. But there's a life in which we're to be living. There's a way we're not, like I said on Friday night, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Like we're different now. We are going to be a strange people because we're a peculiar people, the Bible says. We're a strange people. Not because we're hiding in the desert or hiding in the woods or being weird. No, because we're in the world, but we're not like the world. And they go, what's wrong with you people? Like, man, I know you're going through stuff, but what is this that you carry about you? What's different about you? Why aren't you doing the things you used to do? Not that you're better than them. You should never come across that way. You don't even point it to them. You point it to yourself. You accepted Jesus. Some will want to hear. Some will laugh and mock and move on. And that's okay. But there's a way, you all. This is my hope with the times that we're together and that you would treasure these opportunities that when we come together on the days that that the times are available for us to get together, that again, you're preparing your heart when you come. I keep telling you, rather it's coming together here or just getting up every single day and going through your day. I don't know how you're talking to yourself. I don't know what you're doing when your eyes are opening and you're laying in bed. But my God, that's the hour to pray. I mean, we were encouraged, though. I've heard about it before. Over in South Korea, do you know what Christians do? The majority of Christians do in South Korea every morning for two hours before they go to work. They pray. He said, I don't have two hours. I don't have two hours. I, I got to do. I got all this stuff to do. And it's not about us, you know, being a structured and got to follow this, got to follow that. Because then again, when it becomes like that, then you got the wrong mindset. But these Christians understand the power of prayer. I mean, you realize what they're living close to. North Korea. You hear about our brothers and sisters all throughout the earth being persecuted, enduring the most craziest things. You say, oh, praise God, I'm not. (laughs) You just get up and go about your day. But I go, God, do you realize what's coming? If I go back and I say, how many of you talked to a co-worker this week? And I'm not saying on the company's time. And I've gone, and I've gone toe-to-toe with people on this. Blech. Listen, you respect your employers. I got a witness for Christ. Yeah. But you're a better honor the authority in your life. Well, I got to honor Christ first. Well, then quit your job and stand outside the building. Come on. 
But on your break time and on your lunch times, perfect time to share. Perfect time to be available for questions. You know? Invite them to lunch. Invite them to dinner. Invite them over to your house. Like people should see a difference. You see my schedule, my schedule, my schedule. And I just encourage people, listen, I used to live that way. And then I realized, who makes your schedule? You. <laughs> so if your schedule is so consumed, well, then you need to sit down and figure out why it's so consumed. Because your schedule shouldn't be your God. But there's a way in which you should live. And I go back, so if you haven't shared or if you haven't lived your life out loud this week, have to ask yourself, why? Something's wrong. Oh, don't burden us with that. It's not a burden. Well, I don't like to talk to people. What's wrong with you then? Well, I'm not called to preach. Who's asking you to give a sermon? We should be able to share. Because that's what we're here to do. That's why we're here. He didn't take us out of the world. Poof, when you, when you bowed your knee, you, didn't, you weren't ushered into heaven. And well, that would have been really nice, but that's not what he intended. He even said when he prayed, don't take them from this world, keep them in the world, but protect them by the name you've given me. And send them, and send them, and send them, because we're filled with his Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have his Holy Spirit. So now you're learning to walk. By faith and not by sight. You're learning to put truth into practice. You're applying these things so that when your eyes are open in the morning, before your foot hits the floor, you're already interceding and praying. Because you understand the level of warfare that's intensifying on the earth. It's been around since day one. And actually before. This realm, this realm, and this inside you is at war with God's kingdom. And we think we're just going to continue just to hop, skip, and jump along. Now listen, y'all, we've got to wake up. That's why application is vital. That's why I'm, you know, I know... Same thing over and over and over. But the sad thing is going to be is when we get to December, and if you haven't grown, if you haven't applied, if you, if you see nothing in you, I'm just where I've been. I shouldn't go to church anymore. See, that's crazy talk. Oh, I'm just not a good Christian. Come on. That's you looking at self. <laughs> You say, well, then what do I do if I don't see that I, I even have a desire to apply? I don't even know where to begin or what to do. Just ask him. He's begun this work in you. You just be open. And when he, when he speaks, move. When he prompts, do. It, it'll feel uncomfortable. But that's what it is about growing. Growing pains are uncomfortable. You remember them from childhood. 
But you ought to be growing. You ought to be growing. Applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. If we don't apply the Bible, it becomes nothing more to us than a normal book. An impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. <coughs> the degree, the degree to which we study, memorize, meditate on God's word is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study. And it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. And And we're living in a generation as the generations keep going and as they so have they have been. But now we've arrived at a time where what is evil is actually presented as good. And it's just going to get more crazier. It's just going to get crazier and crazier and crazier. And that's why I keep telling you all. And I, and I don't do it to, to, to frighten you. I'm hoping to, that you would just be, just be realistic. Like, oh, wow, no, you can see it yourself. But the level of deception is rising up. We understand as Christians, we are going to be pushed out of society. Do you understand? The, the, the closer we get to his return, the enemy, this realm, is going to continue because they've done it from the beginning to exterminate us. You say, come on, give us a cheerful message. This is cheerful. That's why I keep telling you, we can't keep doing church as we did church. We just can't show up and sit and like, okay, and then go out. The generation that's coming up, the youth that's coming up, they need to understand that there is power in, in the Christian faith. And that God is real, and that God is good. And that God is just. They need to know the fullness of who God is. We ought to be sitting down with them, praying with them, reading the word with them, encouraging them, letting them see our failures, our sins, so we can apologize and see how we're restored so that then they're not carrying all the craziness in their heads that their flesh is trying to flare up within them and they're afraid to even come to the church or to Christians. They don't know who to talk to. So they turn to the world. I mean, we just listened on Friday night. 70%, of the youth that were raised in church as soon as they graduate from high school, if not before, 
They're no longer in church. And this may upset some of you. But the issue is not the church. The issue is the home. Because you expected the church to do your job. (laughs) You didn't cultivate it in your home. You didn't live it out before them. He said, no, that's not right. I'm going to tell you, I can probably sit down with you. I can probably sit down with that youth and hear them expose everything they saw behind closed doors that you were trying to hide. They saw the attitudes. They saw the brokenness. They saw no healing. They saw no joy. They saw no restoration. They saw cycles of sin that kept you in bondage. They saw nothing of Christ except, we gotta go to church, gotta go to church, gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta pray, gotta pray, gotta do, gotta follow, gotta do, gotta do, gotta do all these lists of rules. They don't even know Christ. I mean, for God's sakes, I have to look at Carrie after all those years in church. Church leader, church fellowship, church, church, and church. Now look at her and say, how do you know you're a Christian? She gave me a list of all that she does, her pedigree of everything. know Jesus. And that's probably the same for the majority of you sitting here. Do you understand what we're up against? So I'm passionate about this. I'm not up here just to waste my time. I don't better do. There's other stuff I could be doing on a Sunday morning and throughout the week. Lord, mercy knows. I understand what we're up against. And my heart breaks for the youth. I just look around at them and I'm just like, ah, God. Like we gotta, we gotta cover them, y'all. We gotta pray. We gotta. You know, we, we got to, Jesus, help us, help us, help us. But we got to be applying the word to better, to, so that we can distinguish between good and evil because what is before us? Ah! You know, and, and, you know, Christ, you know, a lot of Christians are on the soapbox this month. Because it's Pride Month. Now all the Christians got things they want to say. I say, sit down. Sit down. You're not even dealing with the own stuff in your life, the majority of you. And you want all of a sudden you want to stand up. Oh, I've got issues with Pride Month. 
But my issue may be different than what you think. I keep telling you, people have a right to live however they want. Not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. But I genuinely, genuinely, first and foremost, care about people's spiritual walk with God. But if they choose to deny Christ and to live however they want, then I genuinely care about them mentally and emotionally. I genuinely do. And so what these movements do, and not just the LGBTQ movement, but all these other movements of minorities, is they keep the people in bondage. And they remain victims. I used to be part of that. That's why when I used to be for all those years in that lifestyle, and I was a real, you know, flag-waving, banner-carrying, marching proud and loud and doing all that, when I finally saw where the movement was heading, even before I came to Christ, I was like, wait, this is wrong. Like, my acceptance is not, I'm not accepted because I force people to accept me. That's not acceptance. My acceptance in, in stripping people of their worth and of their value that's to bring me worth and value. And so it's twisted. But that's the flesh. That's the enemy. <laughs> it would do us good, you all, just to live our lives. Just to live our lives. No matter what defines us. If you're a Christian, then live as a Christian and honor Christ with your life. If you're living any other way, well then live in any other way you want. But just honor others. <laughs> just stop being a victim. Stop demanding everyone. Except you. No. Learn to live with your head up high. Give. Be productive in life. Instead of being warped and broken and confused. It's sad what's happening. Carrie's been driving me around lately for different appointments or different things. It's been a couple of times where we've had to go up um, Colonial, and I, and I was made aware that there's going to be this place that's opening up for, for like homeless gay youth. And oh, <clears throat> my heart breaks. I can cry right now. I sit on my face. Sometimes I just sit by myself and I just weep for them. And I go, God, would you just deliver them? And I know not all of them will come to Christ. I know a lot of them would just want to live for themselves and do whatever they want. 
pray that they would live productive lives and not be locked in torment to where they commit suicide. And I've been thinking a lot about the majority of my friends when I'm in that that lifestyle, like the majority of them all dead. All these different reasons. I just go, oh God. But when I was a youth, and I came to terms, and this is, I wasn't a Christ follower, I was a Christ hater, but I came to terms with my sexuality, I said to myself, I don't need anyone else to approve of me. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to live. And I wasn't seeking man's approval. I wasn't I didn't want it based on anything else. But listen, we gotta wake up, you all, to the realities of what's going on. And as Christians, how we're to be responding. That's fine if you want to boycott. That's fine if you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that and you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that. I'm all for it. If that's that's your cause, if that's your fight, all I can tell you (laughs) is I hope you're storing up because pretty much every retailer out there, pretty much every movie company, pretty much everything that is out there is pushing you and true Christianity out. Of the system. You're not welcomed. They don't care. Take your money. Soon you won't have money to even give them. Had a lady at work, told her to, oh, I'm not, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, what's going on? You probably know who I'm talking about. I said, well, where, where are you getting your food at? <laughs> said, what? Well, I go to, and I said, well, do you want me to pull up what they give to? Christians are so quick. I ain't watching that. What do you take in? You know, again, I'm all for if you, if you want to pull out, do what you got to do. But come on, stop, stop all this chaotic stuff. Like I'm so sick of social media with Christians on social media. I mean, you just sit, and you just go, what are we doing? How are we winning people? How are we showing them Jesus? And we don't even look like we know what we agree on. And this, I've got two hours with you a week, if, if that's all your comments on a Sunday, <laughs> to try to equip you so that when you go out that door or you flip on your phone, you know how to guard your heart and your mind. You know how to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ, to live for Christ, to testify for Christ, to honor Christ, to love Christ. To structure your home, to structure your your environment that you have control over. (laughs) To honor Christ. 
Because we are at war. You can't make this stuff up. Distinguish between good and evil. If we desire for the word to take root in our lives so that we produce a harvest that pleases God, we must ponder, reflect, and meditate on what we read and study in the Bible. As we meditate, we can ask ourselves some questions. One, what does this passage teach me about God? What does this passage teach me about the church? What does this passage teach me about the world? What does this passage teach me about myself, about my own desires and motives? Does this passage require that I take action? And if so, what action should I take? What do I need to confess and and or repent of? What have I learned from this passage that will help me to focus on God and strive for his glory? Because remember, we're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Yes, yes, yes. I want to see the manifestations of the gifts. Yes, yes, yes. I want to see the power of God displayed. But I don't want any of that if there's no transformation in lives. Because that's wickedness. And far too long, it's what's running in the church. And I keep telling you, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Because we're living in an age of deception. Again, the world is preparing for their Antichrist. He's going to do signs and miracles like you've never seen before. So before you jump, and not you. It's fine. I know you already. How are you? Okay. (laughs) But before you jump on the next movement. Oh, there's power. Oh, this preacher's good. Signs and wonders. Oh, anointed. What was his message about? What was his word? What was the word that impacted your life to grow more like Christ? We're all out for signs and wonders. And the greatest sign of, and wonders has already been revealed to us because God was pleased to open up your eyes that you can see Jesus. And you've been filled now with the Holy Spirit. So I don't balk the signs. I believe in the signs and the wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts that are distributed among the church. But there's no transformation. I'm telling you now, there's actually no power. There's just deception. Deceptive spirits at work. To lead people astray. That's what it is. So we gotta wake up because again, we're living in these times. There's so much coming at you all, at me, from the outside, from the inside, and we're just getting up, grabbing a cup of coffees. I hope I can make it through the day. I really don't know what you're doing. I know if. And I don't do what I do. (laughs) Lord, I wouldn't be here. And I do because I genuinely love Jesus. And because I'm forced to. I have to do this, I have to do that. 
No, because I'm a new creation. I know the cost. I consider the cost. Like when you consider the cost, like your life is not your own. Have everything. Have everyone, God. I'm all yours. Yeah. Give him your all. Love him as the word of God says with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body, with all your strength. Let's go look at Romans. Romans 13, verse 14. Scriptures. To encourage you to apply the word of God. Again, I I can't say it enough. I got no Jesus. We got to get out there in our communities. We got to make a difference, you all. We got to get out there and just start recognizing. We got to get out there and just start saying, God, just open up doors. I'm not asking you to go slam your Bible down or go act a nut in front of people. I'm just asking you to go out there and just become relational with people. I don't like people. I rather you can't force me to do something that's not how I'm made. <laughs> I'm not asking you to go if you're an introvert to become, you know, so crazy and wild, an extrovert. But you you know how to build relationships. You know how to genuinely, hopefully, if not, that's a whole level of of therapy. But you know how to just smile at someone, say a kind word. Like yesterday, I was telling Gilda about a cashier at Walmart. I know her enough now. I know she has back problems. I know she doesn't like you to put heavy stuff up. You know? And you just get to know people. You just begin conversations with people. You just go out of your way. You know, little by little. Start conversations. You don't have to present. Unless it's time. Unless you feel at that moment. Oh yes, at that moment. Boom. Boom. Then be obedient. But sometimes it's not time. Listen, because you're the water and you're the plant. You're not Holy Spirit Junior. You're not going to harvest. You know? So you rely on the Holy Spirit to do that. But you water and you plant. You're not there to try to dig it up and make it come out. No, you just got to be kind. You just got to sit down with people. You just got to interact with people. You don't have to become them. You don't have to do what they're doing to hope to still win them. I'm going to sit at the club with them. Hope to win them for Jesus. No. You just got to start living differently. But while you're living differently and you're kind, well, you're a Christian. I'm not used to Christians being this way. No, I don't agree with your life. But I can respect you. That's your right to believe. I'm going to continue to live my life. If they don't respect you, okay, when that's fine, move on. Shake the dust off your feet. Move on. But again, there's a way to live, you all. And this is what I'm hoping to really encourage us to get out there and live what you say in front of me you are. 
I mean, if you're saying, Rob, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I believe. I said a prayer. I'm a Christian. Well, then by God, you better be Christ-like. You better be following Christ. And you better be doing the will of your Father. You say, oh, I'm not doing all that. Well, then something's wrong with your Christianity. Because I don't see a way out of it. I mean, Jesus himself tells them, consider the cost. Don't just come following me to jump on the bandwagon. (laughs) He doesn't need you to be superstitious. He needs you to believe. It's your your belief and your confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he rose from the dead. That's your identity now. You better understand what that means. There's a weight to it. There's a burden you, but there's a weight like, yes. Like this world is not my home and my eyes are open. Jesus. Teach me to pray, God, I want to grow. I want to mature. Because see, this is every day of your life because you're never going to arrive until you're with him. So while you're still on this earth, running the race, you better depend on him every hour of every day. Not just when your eyes open, you get, before you got, this is all day long. You're talking to the Holy Spirit. You're praying. You're discerning. You're asking. You're seeking. You're knocking. <laughs> you're not quitting. You're not giving up. You're not in despair. You're not running back. Oh, no. Come on. We're in it to win it. Because we're living now from a place of victory, not of our own. The story we tell is not of us. It's of Him. Like we've won. We can go to our deathbed. (sighs) Praise the Lord. Y'all realize y'all going back to dust. Realize. Any moment. Boom, boom, boom. Dust. And if you're not chasing Christ, you're chasing. And I keep saying that over the past couple weeks because it just it was just hit me when I was like, wow, that's so funny. Like we're chasing and we want. And it's all dust. These people are dust. Ah. Like all this material stuff. It's nothing. But Christ. Is everything. He's eternal. And yes, there's hopes that yes, we'll all be together in heaven. But if you're not, I'm not going to remember you. <laughs> and you say, what? Because there's going to be no tears in heaven. Your memory, I believe, is just why. Because if I, I'm going to be looking. Where's Michelle? Where's Gary? Where's okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I just did. Where are they? No, 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 I'm looking for Jesus. I told you about this one woman back in the days. They had me call over to minister to and encourage. And I said, well, you know, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Well, how'd you become a Christian? Well, I said, Lord, I got to see my animals. I said, your hope is in your animals? It wasn't you. It wasn't Yvette. I said, your hope is in animals? Well, if I don't get to see my animals, 
I, I just don't want nothing to do with Jesus. But I've heard that before, and not just animals, like people. Well, mama was and didn't, didn't seem to be a Christian. I thought of going an eternity without mama. I just, I don't want to accept Jesus. It's weird, y'all. People weird. But I'm telling y'all, we gotta wake up. We're living for eternity now. That's our mindset. That's how we're living. That's the, the, the decisions and the choices that you're making. They should be eternal. I'm putting my hand <laughs> to this. I, I'm about to speak this. I'm thinking this. My feet are heading this way. <laughs> Is it honoring Christ? Is it honoring Christ? And then you can say, well, not everything is spiritual. And I would say, well, show me where it's not. Especially if you're a Christian. Really, that's what God expects of me? And Jesus knew this would be a struggle. That's why he said, consider the cost. Don't claim me and then deny me. No, no, live for me. It's an application, you all. Don't worry, I'm not going to be here all afternoon, but go to Romans 13, verse 14. Scripture on application. So how do we live then? Instead, clothe yourself. With the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways. Ha ha. Listen to that. To indulge your evil desires. Clothe yourself with Christ. Put on Christ. Know him. His characteristic. His attributes. Because remember what the Bible says. It's not man's standard. It's God's standard. Those who are in Christ should live however they want. That's not what the Bible says. No, the Bible says those who are in Christ should live their lives as Jesus did. And how many times, I don't know about you, I, I talk to a lot of Christians, I guess. Well, not even there, just, but that's true too. But people say, well, you know, Jesus was the only one. Jesus was the only one. What does that mean? What does that mean? I can't be Jesus. What does that mean? But yet the Bible says that you're to live as he lived. The Bible says... He, God, has given you everything you need to live a godly life. The Bible says sin is not your master. You are now a slave to righteousness, which is right living, right standing with God because of Christ. And so you're to put on Christ. Application, sustained effort. Hard work, not just a one-time little prayer. Poof, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. Sustained effort. Hard work. I mean, I get it. Again, the church system, the institution has made it easy 
Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. But there's a lot of people going to be in hell with Jesus on their lips. But He's never been in their hearts. He's not Lord. And so we have to wake up. We have to wake up. We have to wake up. He said, but I'm going to sin. Okay, listen. (laughs) Yes, you may sin. But when you sin as a Christian, remember you have an advocate, Jesus, who is interceding for you. Sin is not your master, so get up, repent, and move on. But stop making these weird assumptions and giving you the way out. Well, if I am just if I am going to sin, then I'm just going to give in to my desires. I mean, God knows this is my this is my cross I have to carry. Oh God, just take it away. Just take it away. God won't take it away. How many people I've sat with? I pray to prayer. I pray every day. I pray every day. God take it away. God take it away. God take it away. God take it away. And God hasn't taken it away. Well, there's something's wrong with your belief system. Oh, what do you mean? They all offended. You say you're a Christian, right? Yeah, I'm a Christian. God just won't take it away. Well, what do you believe and what do you confess? See, because when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead, He took it away. The problem is you're still holding on to it. You won't let go of it. It's still a stronghold in your mind. You haven't taken the weapons of your warfare and demolished it. The Bible says, oh, let's go. And then I show them when the Word of God says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. You're waiting for God to take it away. He's waiting for you to throw it off. Come on, see what I'm saying? We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. Law of sleep. The devil did law on people to sleep. Shh, 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 shh. And hell's a real place. Hell is a real place. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Woo! Scripture again on application. Take this this week. For once you were full of darkness. Ephesians 5, verse 8. But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. You were once dark. You don't have to be afraid of darkness anymore. You were once dark. But now you are people of light. And darkness can never extinguish the light. Do you believe? So you know how to deal with your mind and your thoughts and your inner struggle and turmoil. I keep telling you all, there's people sitting in churches today putting on a good act, but when they go home, if they make it home, they'll stop at the bar, 
or at the whorehouse, or at their lover's house, or somewhere else. Bound in guilt and shame, bound in torment and anxiety, bound with suicidal thoughts, bound with darkness, with voices in their head. And they can't even speak to anybody. Because what will they think of me? And we're to be cultivating a place for all to come and to hear. Not all is going to be saved. But at least it gives them an avenue because there's nothing that anyone may ever walk up those stairs dealing with that should shock any of us. Why does he allow them in here? Because we're no different. And they should be able to come in. We're not going to go, poof, you're a Christian, poof, you're a Christian. No, if you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. But you're more than happy to sit and hear about the one who's pursuing you. And you're, we're, we create an environment where you can come and you can just open up. We're, we're going to be honest with you. We're not just going to, you know, go along with you. We're just going to be honest with you. If that's what you want. If that's not what you want, then right back out into a sea of confusion. This is what we're cultivating. Here, this is the church that you're a part of, that you ought to be out there just living your life and as you're meeting broken people and sharing your brokenness and how you're restored or in the process of being restored and you're just sharing, you can say, I've got a safe place you can come with me. It's different, I know. It may be weird. The guy's nutty, but listen, it's not about any of that. It's about Jesus. Like, just come listen. That's all. If you like. If you just want to come for food, just come for food. It's okay. Just come meet these people from all walks of life. You know? This is what we have, you all. We were once dark, but now we're of the light. Oh, we got to be careful trying to tiptoe back in that darkness. We're moving into a new season, or a new, yeah, I guess season, teaching. We're still going to walk through Scripture, though I know I'm not going to get to them today. So we're still walking through Scriptures. We'll pick back up in First Chronicles. We finished last week the attributes of God a couple weeks ago. We finished the Heidelberg Catechism. And now, as I've been praying, saying, Lord, what's next for us? Because God, we need to be equipped. We need to be equipped with the knowledge of who you are. We need to be encouraged, God, that we can hold and cling to Christ and Christ alone. So we're going to begin to look at prophecies concerning Christ. I wrote this last night. Prophecy is important. It shows God's control over history and that what he predicts does come to pass. He is in control of his plan and purpose. 
He will have a people that he will call his own and they will call him their God. Prophecy gives and proves integrity of the scripture. It protects us from false teaching. And I love this last point. It prepares us for the last days. You see, you can't make this up. I know people say, man, put it together. The institutions put it together. Bah, bah, bah. Don't you know they met years ago behind closed doors. There's all this stuff that went on. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> well, if that's true, by God, they did a good job. <laughs> because it has changed the world. <laughs> but man didn't put this together. God did. God inspired it. And this... This word, front and back, lives are being transformed. Governments have tried to ban this, destroy it, burn it. People who've claimed the power of the living word of God gave them revelation of Christ to be at peace and reconciled back to God. This is the message in which they share. They're dealt with harshly and severely throughout the earth for generations. Do you realize what you hold? Rather, an actual Bible or on your phone, you have access to or do you realize what you have? From beginning to the end, it all ties together. Man, man could not do it. There's no way. From beginning to end, the prophecy of the coming Messiah, everything about Christ here in his word, old and new, it's all Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. And the world hates him. A simple carpenter. In fact, those who are staying for the movie later, that's what you're going to hear Jesus refer to. Now, understand this movie is not based, it's, it's not based, if you would, as if a Christian's speaking. It's based as if it's based on demons speaking. And they call him the carpenter. They call him the enemy. And if you ever dealt with darkness, that's what we do. We, we recognize that, well, I used to be in the darkness, so I recognized him as the enemy. I mocked him as being a simple carpenter. He was nothing but mere man. He's not God. But do you realize how much he's hated? Even if it's the case, let's just say, let's just say, he's not God. He was just man. Why are we exterminating his followers? Why are we trying to take it away? Why can't they just live and be productive people? And that shows you the level of warfare, this realm right here. (laughs) That's at war. With God's throne. The world system at war with God's throne. And then your very old nature 
everything about you, who you were, what still flares up within you, is at war with him. And the only way to be at peace with God is through Jesus. That's the good news, y'all. That's the good news. That's the great news. As they say, the greatest story ever told. So, I want us to go to Matthew 13. Mark. Mark 13. Thank you, Carrie. I sent her the notes last night, so she'll keep me on track. Mark 13. Jesus foretells the future. And again, as I did with the attributes, as I did with the Heidelberg Catechism, again, this is a tool for you to take, to utilize through the week, to take and and look in your Bible and and make notes and pray through and, I mean, just be excited if you're a Christian about the God who has delivered you and saved you. And if you're not a Christian, then may it bring you to a place of surrender that you will call upon Him and be saved. Mark 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. And Jesus replied, Yes, look at these great buildings. (laughs) But they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, Tell us, when will, this all, when, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus replied, Perk up, perk up. Jesus replied, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yet, yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as um, famines. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. (laughs) When these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the local councils and be beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. He's telling us. But this will be your opportunity. Come on, you see this? But this will be your opportunity not to be scared, not to, oh. You have an opportunity. And look what the opportunity is. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news must be preached to all nations. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. 
Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but, but the Holy Spirit. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But the one, come on, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Don't turn. Don't run. Don't give up and don't give in. (laughs) Cling to Jesus, you all. It's going to get rough. You say, but when? I don't know. It's already starting. You say, but how can this be good? Because the kingdom is coming. It's here. It's all for His kingdom. He's returning. The world, I told you, the world is preparing for the Antichrist, but we're preparing for our Christ, the Christ, the only Christ. We're preparing for that feast that we're going to have with Him. Like He's coming. That is great news. The day is coming when you will see the sacrilegious objects that cause desecration standing where he stood, where he should not be. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for a pregnant woman and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter, for there will be a great, greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless, unless the Lord shortens the time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of His chosen, come on, once he has shortened those days. Then if anyone tells you, look here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out, Jesus says. I have warned you about this ahead of time. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone, here's the good news, will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now lean in and listen from the fig tree, and now, I'm sorry, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. And the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth. Mm. This generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words, my words will never disappear. However... No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip 
When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. Oh, perk up and listen. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too, you too, you too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping. Church. When he arrives without warning, I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Watch for him. These are Jesus' words, you all. Three prophecies. Short prophecies. Short scriptures. The first one. Again, we're looking at prophecies concerning Christ. The first one. The description would be, he would be the seed of woman. Go to Genesis. The prophecies in Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is the prophecy. And I, this is God speaking, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That's the prophecy. The fulfillment, Galatians 4.4. And listen, we're not running, so don't think, oh God, there's a lot of prophecies. We're only going to see a few. We're going to walk you through a few. There's so much. Galatians 4.4 is the fulfillment. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. The next one. He was the seed of a woman. The next prophecy. He was, he's the promised seed of Abraham. Go back to Genesis 18.18. 18. The Messiah must be... <laughs> Seed of Abraham, Genesis eighteen eighteen. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. The fulfillment. Go to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3, verses 25 through 26. The fulfillment of that prophecy. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all of the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to the people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. He was the seed of Abraham. And the final one for today is that he was the promised seed of Isaac. Go back to Genesis and carry, you need to add Genesis to the notes. Genesis 17 Verse 19. 
Again, prophecies concerning Christ and hopes to encourage you in your faith or to draw you to faith, one or the other. Genesis 17, verse 19. But God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. This prophecy, being the promised seed of Isaac, is fulfilled in Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 1 through 2. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Jesus is the seed, the promised seed of both Abraham and Isaac. Again, give you this in hopes to encourage you all. Like again, I I wish I could just I wish I had it in me to make it happen for you all. But I don't. But I know the one who does. Like if you're if you're genuine a Christian, you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You're not to live lives that grieve him. No, you're to walk in step with him. It's now a spirit-filled life. You're walking differently now. Differently. And you're growing in it. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why application is vital. It's sustained effort. It's hard work. It's a continual growth. But I still have this issue. I still have that. Stop looking at your issues. Stop looking at your sin. Look to Christ. He knows what you have. Just keep giving it to him. Throw it off. Stop waiting for him to take. He wants you to give. That, 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 that place of surrender of how you should be living your life. You should be involved in fellowship. You should be among the saints. You should be among believers to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. You should be living afresh and anew now, impacting the world around you. This is what it's about. To live for Christ, to know Christ, to love Christ. Honor Christ. We're going to take communion. And Norma, if you would come up and begin to <clears throat> pass out the elements. And then I'll put, we'll take communion, then I'll close this in a song of worship and then prayer. Mm-hmm. But as the elements are being passed out, <clears throat> again, the Bible says, Jesus says, to do this in remembrance of Him. His body was crushed. (laughs) Like blood, his blood flowed. (laughs) For you, for me. Like he paid the price, you all. No one else will do that for us. If you truly believe in Jesus, 
you understand what you're holding in your hands? What it symbolizes? Man, there's no greater love than this, you all. So we do this, you know, because he calls us to do it. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So take the next few minutes and just how the Holy Spirit just minister to you. If you have active sin in your life that you need to repent of, then I would encourage you to take time to repent. <laughs> you don't want to take communion with active sin in your life and rebellion that you're just going to continue. Like, you should read what Scripture says about that. That's not a good place to be. <laughs> So just take this time and kind of just reflect on, on Christ and what He did for us. The price He paid that we wouldn't have to suffer it. We don't have to pay it. Like he did it all. pray over the bread. last song of worship and I'll close this in prayer. <clears throat> 